Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for being here. The first year, or the first Sunday of the new year. And uh, I hope you've had a good week and I hope you had a good time of vacation for many of you that went away and um, that you had a good time with family and friends over the holiday season. If you're a first time visitor or a guest this morning, we want to welcome you. I thank you so much for being a part of Oasis this morning. Um, if you've yet to fill out a connection card right in front of you in the chair pocket, there's a connection card. We'd love to have um, an, a, your record of being here so we could um, pray for you and, and um, just we're thankful for you joining us and being a part of our service this morning and uh, being here. And so we just want to thank you and welcome you. And uh, if you haven't been with us, we, uh, we just finished up a, a Christmas series uh, we did for about four or five weeks there in the last few weeks. And uh, so we, we went through uh, John 1 and we went through a handful of verses there talking about a number of different things. And, and as we come into the new year, there's, uh, we're going to jump into, um, a, a, um, I guess that this would be the time that we're supposed to do vision casting and, and all those things in the church and I'm not so much going to speak over the next few weeks on, on the vision of Oasis right now. I'm gonna, we're going to have a time of that in the next uh, month or so. But I'm just going to, I've been burdened on just us continually moving forward. If you're, if you're new or you've been around for the last few weeks, we've, we've had a little bit of a transition here at Oasis. And, and so the, the thing that's just heavy and impressive on my heart is that we continue to press on, that we we grow deeper in the Lord, we, we pray, we have a greater relationships, and my goal is that our church as individuals, as a body, would grow together in, in prayer and those types of things. But uh, I've been, the verse that kept coming back and over and over in my mind is a very familiar passage of Scripture in Philippians chapter 3 that, that Paul wrote, and he talks about pressing towards a mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, and it's something that most of you have heard, and we're going to be spending some time over the next few weeks in, in the third chapter of Philippians. Um, but basically, Paul there was, was declaring his own personal thing, that he would continue to press on for what God had called him to do. And it was my goal, and it is my goal here at Oasis, that we would do the same thing. There's a lot of different things people would, would say, the, uh, why we have church, and what the whole purpose and meaning and reasoning behind all of this is, and... And, and, you know, oftentimes as a church, we, we, we like to use that, the verse, you know, where there is no vision, the people perish, and we like to, to spiritualize a lot of that stuff, and, well, what, what is the church? Where are we going? What are we doing? And where, what's going on? And we, we start doing a lot of those things sometimes, and the reality is that the mission of the church has never changed from when the church started back in Acts, and I know we have a, a number of different things, but the goal of the church is to, one, that we would grow as individuals, that is the goal, that, that the, the teacher, the preacher would, would bring forth the word of God, that you would be able to take the truth and that we would grow deeper in spiritual relationship with the Lord. But also that we would, we would share our faith with others. That we would be outreaching, that we would see the lost come to know Him as, a, him as our personal Savior. As most of you in this room have done. And so as we, as we go and we dive into this, this morning... I believe even in this transition that we've had at Oasis, I believe that we are in such a place and an incredible opportunity that we have at Oasis. I, I, probably more than ever, I know for me personally, it's been just an incredible time of, 
of diving into God's Word and really just my relationship growing and, and, and getting to know Him better and to know God's Word better for me personally. But, and I pray in that that you have grown from that over the course of the last few weeks as, as I've preached and taught God's Word. But, but I believe as we, as we dive into this and as we start learning and growing, and, and Paul says there in verse 14 of, of Philippians Three, it's not on the screen, but I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus that we as a church, as we strive and as we continue to press on, as we continue to move forward, that we understand prior to that, Paul was teaching that there was some things that are going to kind of catch us. There are some things that are going to be, be there to kind of to snag us along the way. And I think as we go forward, I believe that we are in an incredible place to see something awesome from God. One of the things that's most encouraging to me, and you may look at me and think, dude, you're the biggest moron in all the world, but we're kind of in a place at Oasis that really it's no longer about you and it's no longer about me because the reality of it is where we set, the only way that we're going to continue to see God do incredible things is through God. It's really beyond us. I can do everything that I can do, but it really comes down to at the stage that we are in our church, it's going to be all God performing an incredible miracle within all of us as a body. The growth that we will see will be based on an almighty God. The salvations that we'll see will be based on God. Everything that we see moving forward really will be how good God is to us. It's us doing our part and then seeing God do His. I spoke a number of weeks back on surrender. And it's us surrendering our lives. It really, it's me doing what I can do as an individual. All I can do, and I tell my kids this, and I'm, assur- I'm assuming that most of you, if you have children, you've told your kids this, or you tell your kids this. Mine do this often, especially at time to go to bed. For whatever reason, at bedtime, everybody starts to cough. Everybody's stomach starts to hurt. Everybody has an ailment of some form when they have to lay down at bed. At least in my home. I don't know what happens in your home, but if all of my kids are below eight and, Dad, I'm coughing, I need medicine. You haven't coughed in 12 hours. Why do you need medicine? Apparently, if you give them any form of liquid medicine, you call it medicine, it's like the healer of all things to a child. It's like a Band-Aid. I need medicine. No, you don't. Just go to bed. But... But here's what they do. What do our kids do? Well, she's talking. I can't sleep. And, and she's doing this. And she's doing that. And dad, just go to bed. But she won't let me go to bed. And here's what I tell my kids all the time. Who are you responsible for? You are responsible for you. In our Christian life, in our spiritual life, in our spiritual journey, it's me doing what God has called me to do. All I can do is what I can do. I cannot, though it is my job as, a, as the pastor of this place right now, and, and it's my job to stand up here and proclaim truth, and it's my job to encourage, and it's my job to do that, I can't go with you and make the decision that you're going to make at 1230 this afternoon. I can't do that. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. I can't. It is for you as individuals. And so when I, when I dig in and I really start to, to think about our church and I, I think about the position that we're in and, and I just, I come, it comes back to me that we've got to grow in God's word. We've got to pray. We've got to get to know who an almighty God is and why that we're here. 
And it's got to be me doing my part and you as an individual doing your part. We were in class this morning and, and Ben taught in our, in our class this morning and, and he said, well, do you have anything to say? And apparently if you're a pastor, you just have to speak. But I, I said, you know, one of the things that's so vital for me is that, that we, and, and I was talking to our specific class, which is pretty much our, my age group, but how important it is that we grab a passion that God has given us. Do you know all of us in this room have a passion? Every one of you in here loves to do something. It's to grab a hold of that passion and you look at yourself as a Christian and you look at your service for the Lord and you go, am I fulfilling my passion that God has given me for our church? Are we doing that? Am I as an individual doing that? Are you doing that? And one of the things I mentioned, and so as I look at our church and I look at as we, as we continue to move forward, it's, it's me grabbing a hold of this and making it my church. Do you realize this is your church? It's not my church. This is God's church, but it's, it's all of our church. I can say, this is my church. You can say, this is my church. And as we dive into this this morning, my prayer is that, that we, can, we can grow and we can learn. And, but I believe our church is at an incredible place to where we can do something awesome. I trust that God is going to do something. I'm trusting that God is going to build our church. I trust that God is going to do amazing things within our church. In Matthew chapter 16, another very, very famous verse of Scripture there, but in Matthew 16 and verse 18 it says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God has placed us the church, here for a reason. And I believe with all my heart, just as that scripture says, is is that the gates of hell will not prevail against His church. And so as we dive in this morning, and as we go in the next few weeks, we're going to do three weeks here in Philippians chapter 3, but as we look at all this stuff, Satan is wanting nothing more than this to just dissolve and die and go away. And I believe Satan has done everything that he can to attempt that. And as we read this passage here in Philippians chapter 3, we're going to read it in here in just a second, but, but, but let me ask you this question before I get a hold, ahead of my notes here. Have you ever, have you ever been, how, oh how about this, this, is, this will go uh, maybe with half of you. Those that are men, you may recognize or understand this. Football, NFL, yay. Good. Half of your team's coaches got fired over the last week. If you did not notice that, there was about 10 NFL coaches that were let go. There was GMs that were let go. What happens when that takes place? Oftentimes, what do they do? They come in, they don't keep all of their assistant coaches, and they don't keep everybody else. They do what? They wipe everything out, right? The Browns got a new, I love the Browns, they're horrible, but hey, it is what it is. The Browns got a new owner midway through the season. One of the first things he did was one of his, the head operations guy was gone. The day after the season, the GM was gone, the coach was gone. He, he's building it for, for, for himself. 
I'm going to bring my own people in and we're going to do this my way or, or it's just not going to happen. And it's the same thing if many of you maybe have been to work, maybe you've had different situations employment-wise where, where you got a new boss or there was a new GM or there was a new owner or whatever it is, and, and what do we all, you get kind of nervous because what's going to happen? The, they have the power to just say, boom, everything's gone and I'm going to do it my way. Why do they do that? As, a, as the head man, so to speak, why would they come in and then just wipe everybody out? Well, most of you go, well, that pretty makes sense. Well, because you know it this way, and this guy wants it done this way, and typically that doesn't work. And typically those people don't want to merge the two together. They don't want to marry the two together. Because... I want it done like this, and you want it done like this, and I've been doing it this way for the last 10 years. Why am I going to change to do it this way? It works, right? Well, here's what I'm going to teach to you this morning, and we're going to talk about in Philippians chapter 3. Basically, Paul was coming in, in in this passage, and he was teaching some of these things. Because all of these churches, these, these people in the, in the church of Philippi had accepted Christ as their Savior, but they had a big problem. They had grown up under the laws of Judaism. They had grown up in this, this area. And inside of this sect of, of their culture, you lived by the law. Everything that you did, had it was the X's and O's of the law. There was circumcision, there was you don't eat this, and you do this, and you do those things. And, but under salvation, under grace, by faith, as, as Paul taught them, and they accepted Jesus Christ because they, they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ... They no longer had to practice all of those things. But there was people that wanted to come in and, and, and teach false, false teaching, so to speak. And they wanted to tell them that, hey, you still got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this. And in Philippians chapter 3, if you have your Bible with you this morning, we'll be in chapter number 3, and we'll, we'll start in verse number 1. And it says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you, To me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. And this morning what I'm going to do, I'm going to... I'm going to start, and and I'm just going to go right through, and I'm going to jump right into, I'm actually going to skip verse 1 for right now. I'm going to jump into verse number 2, and my first... Headline, title, point, whatever you want to call is beware. And I'm just going to inform you. For one, you don't have to be worried about people in this church that are going to come and give you all this crazy false doctrine and those types of things. That's really not what I'm talking about this morning. But here as we look, and it says beware in verse number 2. It says beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Paul in this, in this passage is teaching the, the Christians, he's teaching those that, hey, watch out. Hey, be cautious because we understand and we know that you've lived this. Beware of the people that are going to come in and they're going to try to remind you of all those things. They're going to try to teach you. They're going to try to tell you that you're going to have to take this Jewish law that you lived and you're going to have to take this religion of Christ, this Christianity, and you're going to have to bring them together and they're going to ha- you're going to have to use both of them. And he says beware. And if you don't know, the word dogs is, 
is basically what they used the term at that point was, was the unsaved, the filthy, the vulgar. This was a term used and it speaks in Psalms chapter 59. I believe that's on the screen, but in Psalm 59 it, it says, um, I'll get it here. In Psalms 59 and verse number 6 it says, They return at evening, they make a noise like a dog and go round about the city. But again, it's an, an, and it goes throughout verse after verse throughout Scripture. It talks about the dogs. It talks about in Proverbs, the dog coming back to his vomit. But, but it's talking about there the, those that were not saved. It talks about those that were kind of the worst of the worst of the unsaved, if that makes any sense. Those were the dogs were the ones that were coming out. They were mocking Christ. They were so bold as to just, they would say the things and they would completely just slap God in the face, so to speak, publicly. They did not care. They were mocking who God was. Have you ever heard that on, in our society today? Do you have a friend that just is very bold about mocking Christ? Well, why am, I'm not worried about that. Most of us would say, well, you know, we know those people. We, we, you may have a friend that mocks God, but that doesn't really affect me. I'm still living my Christian life. I'm not, they're not teaching me false things. But the more that we allow those people into our lives and the more that we, we allow them to, to speak into us, the more that we, we just kind of become passive about that, it affects our Christian lives. And I'll wrap that up together here in a second. But the next one, it says evil workers. Beware of evil workers. This is, again, those that are promoting or pushing their beliefs. Now, most of us in our day and age, we are the crazy people that push our wacko beliefs on everybody. If you are in this church today, you're in a Baptist church, you're a Christian, you are the crazy people that push all of our beliefs on everybody. That's why our Christianity isn't allowed anywhere, because we push our beliefs on everybody. Really, it's not that way, right? 90% of you, 99% of you are not going to go to your workplace and tell everybody about your Christian faith and push your beliefs on people. But somehow or another, I'm not allowed to say anything, but every other faith is allowed to say something. But basically what this is, is again, these evil workers were going to come inside. They were going to push their faith. They wanted to impose their belief system on everybody else. And in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, another passage here, just kind of speaking of this, in verse number 13, it says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. What do those people do? Those people come in and they do what? They deceitfully say things. They do different things just to get their point in there. They've got to say their thing. They've got to deceive. They're out there to deceive and they're out to destroy. And Satan will use whatever he can to do those types of things but evil workers are those that are pushing their belief system. And again, I'm going to wrap this all together here in just a second. But the next one is false circumcision. It says there in that same passage. And you're like, what does that have to do with anything? Basically, if you look into the, the day and age of this, this passage, everything was done for a specific reason. And it wasn't just done just flippantly. It was done in a very concise manner. So you do this for this specific reason. And circumcision was done in an exact manner. It wasn't, 
there was, a, there was a science, so to speak, to why it was done and how it was done and all those types of things. And these people, the Judaizers, were coming in. They were converting, so to speak, people into their belief system. And then they were going ahead and they were doing circumcision. Well, the Jewish people believed in that. They had to do that. But they weren't doing it according to Scripture. It wasn't being done properly. And so they were teaching this false teaching and they would come in and they would, they would go about this, this false manner of circumcision. And in Galatians, I'm going to read one other passage here before we go to the next point. Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 6. It says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that, he, than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Again, this perversion of the gospel. And you're like, what in the world does this have to do with me? This morning, I'm, I'm, unless you're out there and I just don't know, we don't have people in here that are going about and pushing all their different beliefs and pushing all their different things. And, and in our day and age and our culture, it's a little bit different. But here's what, I'm, here's what I want to challenge you with this first one, beware. The goal of, of this church is to continue to grow and to continue to press on. And any time there's a goal of growth, and any time there's a goal of, of growth of any sort, if you're a business person, if you want to grow, there's, there's challenges and there's things that are going to step in your way and you're going to have to figure things out. In the church and as a Christian, there's things that are going to step in your way. Some of you have recently accepted Christ and you went back to work and somebody else told you about their religion and it kind of confused you because you're not really sure. And then you, you went to this person and they, they, they're a Christian and they believe something that's kind of, that, that's not what I was taught. And then you go over here, but here's, what I'm, here's just the challenge I want to ask you. We as a body or as a Christian, as an individual, there's things posed to us on an every single day, a daily occurrence, some of you. Some of you are able to go to work wherever you go to work, and tomorrow when you get there, something is going to be said, something is going to be done, and you're supposed to do what? Keep your mouth shut, because you're a Christian, and you have no say. Do you know many of us in this room today, have fallen, cursed, so to speak, whatever, to the society in which we live, myself included. Because I keep my mouth shut. I'm too nervous to tell my neighbor that I go to church. I'm too nervous to, to tell the people that I work with who I really am. I'm too nervous to do any of these things. So I have fallen victim, so to speak, of our society, of the false teachings of this society. And though it's not circumcision and no it's not marrying but what we have done is we have married our culture and we have married Christianity and we've tried to bring it together and it doesn't work and it doesn't allow us as an individual to grow which doesn't allow the church to really grow to flourish the way that our churches should flourish and it's not Oasis Baptist Church it's every church across America because we watch TV and what do we do oh that's funny and we just keep watching it. And we watch and we watch and we watch. And apparently, for whatever reason, 
If it's a television show, you have got to have homosexuality in the television show in our day and age. Because that's the end thing, and that's the thing that we have to push that it's acceptable. And here in our society, if you say something about that, you're now the person that is intolerant of anything in the world. If we say that abortion is wrong, we are intolerant, and we don't have feelings for those, those mothers that are doing that. And we can't say anything, and we have to zip our lips, and we have to watch what we say as Christians, because that's what we have to do. And our world and our society has crept into our churches and we bottle ourselves in and we go, oh, I'm sorry. Because if I say anything, then I'm going to offend you. And if I say anything, then now I'm going to be the weird guy. I was outside the other day and I have no idea. I don't know my neighbor's name. But he goes, hey, how you doing? And he came over, we shook hands and said hello. We kind of met, our, met each other and he said, you're a pastor, huh? I've never even seen this guy. Well, yeah. Apparently all my neighbors know that a pastor moved into town. I don't know how. I don't have a sign on my, my yard. I don't have any. I've never, I've talked to three of my neighbors of which none of them did I say, hello, my name is Pastor Aaron Flanagan, how are you? I introduced myself, I said hello, the one neighbor brought us cookies. That was random, because that doesn't happen in our day and age, but welcome to the neighborhood cookies. We used to do that when I was a kid, I remember that to a couple neighbors. But nobody does that anymore, especially in Las Vegas. But this guy comes over, shakes my hand, he says, hey, I heard you're a, you're a pastor, right? Yep. You know, it's not my job to go to every one of my neighbors and say, hey, I'm a pastor. It is my job, though, to live my life for Christ so that the people that I come in contact with know who I am. And I don't have to wear a big sign on my back that says Christian, and I don't have to carry the big, huge family Bible everywhere I go, but beware, church. As you want to grow in your Christian lives, there's going to be decisions within your home. There's going to be decisions that you make. There's going to be decisions within your families that you're going to have to decide based on our culture, based on those kinds of things. Because in your home, you're going to have to go home this week if you choose to live for Christ, and you're going to have to say, oh, that's my favorite TV show, maybe I shouldn't do that. You're going to go somewhere and you're going to go, ah, maybe I shouldn't. You're going to talk to the friends at work and you're going to start telling a joke and you're going to go, ah, maybe I shouldn't do that. Whatever it would be, but in our Christian lives as we continue to grow, we have to be aware of those things that are going to creep up and are going to attack us. And in verse number 3, before I go to the next point here, in verse number 3 it says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Listen, and we'll go to the next point. We are the true circumcision. Listen, church, whatever anybody wants to tell you, whatever is going on in our society, the thing that we have, nobody else has. And I'm not saying Oasis Baptist Church. I'm telling Christians, true churches of Christ, We have something that nobody else has. We are the true circumcision, as it says there in that verse, which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. Do you know, unlike anybody else in any other religion, in any other faith 
we have a real hope. We have what we can have, a true confidence in God. We have all of those things that nobody else has. We should never be, we should never, ever, ever, ever walk out of here and apologize for who you are. You should never go to the restaurant and apologize that you're a Christian because they look at you because you're dressed differently. You should never apologize when you talk about God at your workplace. You should never apologize. Why? Because that should be who you are. It should be natural that our lives show forth who Christ was. Listen, Moses went up to a mountain and came down. His face was glowing, it says. He didn't come down and go, oh, I'm sorry, guys. Our lives should show forth Christ in everything that we do unapologetically. For we are the circumcision. Not the false teachers is what he was saying. We are the circumcision. Be proud of who you are. Be proud of what you have. Be proud that God has saved your life. Be proud of that. Verse, or the second point is the norm. The norm. If you can't tell, I'm not the most creative guy in all the world. By my points, but the norm. Paul warns his, his people right here, and he says in verse number four, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, pers- persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law of blameless. Blameless. And here's, what, here's the point of this. Paul was warning this, these people. He was letting them know, listen, it, he says in verse number 3 at the very end, it says not to have confidence in the flesh. And he goes on in verse number 4 and he, he's warning them. Listen, and here's, this is, we are so good at this church. Maybe it's just me. Maybe you're not good at it. Maybe it's me. But we are so good. He says that he is, he of all of them, he said, I, even the more, should have confidence in my flesh. And here's what he goes on to say. And he says, for he was circumcised on the eighth day. He was of the stock of Israel. His genealogies took him back to, to Jacob in the Old Testament. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. His parents were Hebrew. He, he was learned the Hebrew la- language. He was taught the orthodox customs as a child in Tarsus. He was taught... In Jerusalem, he learned under the teacher Gamaliel. He learned Greek and Aramaic. He was was the, the best of the best. As you keep going, it talks about the Pharisees. The Pharisees was the strictest sect among Judaism. He wasn't only a member, it says, but he was a zealous member. In Galatians, in Galatians chapter Chapter 1 and verse number 14, it says, And profited in the Jews religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. He was the best of the best of the best of what he did. He walked the talk. He did everything. Hebrew of the Hebrews. If anyone was to be confident in what they had, it was to be him. What was he saying? It's not about that. He was the religious of the religious. Pharisee of the Pharisees. The best of the best. Do you know what many of us are? We're the best Baptist of the best Baptist. Put it whatever you want to put it. 
the best churchgoer of churchgoers. I put on the best suit, I wear the best clothes, I have the nicest dress, I fit perfect my family, we walk out of the car, we never argued, we, we just, we're perfect, we come in. And we're so worried in our Christian little world that everybody notices how good of a Christian that we are. Do you know the reality of it is? We might try to put it off that we've got it all together, nobody in this room has it all together. Now, if you were to ask each other, hey, how are you doing? And I'm going to go around and I'm going to shake your hand. How are you doing? Oh, God is so good. Oh, I love Jesus. But the reality of it is, if we were to sit down and we were to go, man, do you know what happened this week? Man, my Christian life this week was what? But we have to make sure that everybody knows that our lives are okay. Man, I am the churchgoer of churchgoers. I put my offering in the plate. And I actually give more than everybody else in here. I'm probably the top giver in this church. Not me personally. <laughs> I promise you I'm not. But that's how we live our lives. So many times we live our lives just what Paul was warning against. And what we do is we, we, we arrive Listen, some of you, some of like myself, you grew up in this thing. I was in church all my life. I was probably seven or eight. I don't know how old I was the first time I sang on a stage with a microphone in church. I remember I would sit, we were at an old church, Louisville Baptist Temple, and, and there was a, a, a stairway that went that had a little half wall, and then the choir was back there, and we would, we would get ready as a family, we would sing, and we'd sit on those little stairs, and I was a kid, and we'd pray before we went up to sing, and I remember some of those things. I was just little. Guess what? I learned how to play the game just like many of you learned how to play the game. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, so to speak. I was all of those things. Do you know how quickly that comes crashing down when life doesn't turn out the way that you thought it was going to turn out? And he was warning, Paul was warning the Philippians, hey, watch it. Hey, beware of those things because they'll come in and you don't want that. He was warning them and he said what? At the very end of that, he comes in and he says, which is in the law, and he says one last word, blameless. And we'll continue to go into this further over the next few weeks, but he says, blameless. He had become blameless. He became to a place where he loved God. He served God to the best of his ability. He did everything that he could, just as much as he was fake and, and just as he was religious in this false religion that he was brought up under. When God transformed his life in Acts chapter 9, when God transformed his life, he turned and became that zealous, and he turned and became that person for Christ. And you know what is so incredible? One of the things I love, and we'll hear some of this over the next, um, the next series that we're doing, one of the things I love is I love to hear testimonies. I remember as I was a young adult, I used to think, man, I wish I had a better testimony. Maybe you grew up in church and you're like me and you'd say, yeah, I've, I've thought that. I wish my testimony was whoa, coming from drugs and I had this awesome testimony. And then as I grew up and I started to really understand, I started to follow, I learned that I have an incredible testimony. 
And though my testimony doesn't take me back as a, as a young man into drugs and sex and alcohol and immorality and all those things, my testimony brings me back to having generations of family members who have followed Christ. My testimony brings me back to, to a mom and a dad who raised me in church, who raised me to be who I am. And though I may not be able to reach every person in this room with my testimony, there's some of you in this room that have a testimony that is a hard testimony. Some of you got saved as teenagers. Some of you were saved like me as a young person. But listen, don't, don't, don't. If I can warn our church, and the one thing that scares me to death within our church is that we have a really good church, and we're the church of all churches, just like he was the Hebrew of all Hebrews. We come to church and we, we just we love Jesus and we can worship God. But we walk out of this room and we're no different than any other person. Grab a hold of that testimony that you have. Regardless if it was like myself as a young boy or if it's just been in the last couple months or years. Just like Paul, he allowed that transformation to completely change his life. And he took the zeal that he had and he took the passion that he had and he took all those things from his Jewish upbringing and he took all those things and he used it for his benefit and he used it for God. Take what you have and use it for God. Don't just be normal. Don't be okay with just being... You know what, church? I'm not okay with Oasis Baptist Church just being a uh, church. I'm really not. If there's one thing that I've been impressed upon for the mo- most of my adult life is I was incredibly blessed in college to be able to work with an awesome ministry. And I left there saying I will never be a part of something that's just average. And I pray that Oasis Baptist Church is never just average. I pray that we don't allow our Good church to keep us just normal. And the last point is this. I'm going to go back to verse number one. And he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the things, the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. He was again warning them, and he has told them this over and over and over again. But he is warning them of... But he first says... Finally, listen, rejoice. Do you know one of the things that we, we often do is we get the bad news and then we, and we, God, why? God, how could you do this to us? And he says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. When was the last time you just truly and honestly just rejoiced in God. We can look out, and you know one of the great things about this cool valley is all around us are some incredible mountains. And I was, there was some family, my wife's aunt and uncle were in town just the other day, and we were coming down the 15, or the 215, and we ate over here, and then we went around, and we, we took them into old Vegas, and they just said, oh, this is beautiful. These mountains are incredible. The same God 
that made those mountains like that. The same God that formed you in in your mother's womb. The same God that knows the hairs of your head. The same God who saved your soul from the pit of hell. The same God who did all of those things knows every hair on your head, knows the troubles that you're in, knows the troubles that you're going to be in, knows all those things. Listen, church, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Regardless of circumstance, regardless of problem, regardless of trial, find it in us. To rejoice in an almighty God. He doesn't say rejoice in your circumstance. It doesn't say rejoice in any of those things. He says rejoice in the Lord. In church, in the midst of the situation that we're in, in the midst of the things that we're going through, if I can challenge us with anything this morning in these next couple weeks as my goal is to, to encourage us to continue to press on and to continue to move forward and to continue to see souls saved, is that we would... Continue to press on. Beware of all the things that surround us. Listen this week as we close. As we leave this building and as we leave this church, are you going to be too nervous to take one of the cards that's out there? And I don't know about you, I put those little cards in my wallet and I stack them full and then my wallet looks huge. But take these little cards... Are you going to be too scared and too nervous to say, hey, would you mind coming to church with me and giving it to somebody? There you want it? There you go. (laughs) Because we're too nervous of what somebody's going to think. We're too nervous of what our neighbor is going to say. We're too nervous about all those things. Are you you too scared to come out on a Saturday morning at 10 o'clock and make a phone call or Go put an invite on somebody's door. Church, I'm not willing to be a normal church. I'm not willing to just stand up here and preach a good sermon and try to put on an outfit and try to look the part and look all these things. I'm not willing for us as a body to say, yes, we go to that great church oasis But when people look at Oasis, they go, well, there's nothing even going on over there. I'm not willing to do that. I'm not willing to be normal because we were too nervous of what our society would say. I'm not willing to be normal because of all of those things. I want to move forward because when we move forward, we can rejoice in the Lord and we're going to see incredible things take place by God. If we sit back and do nothing then we're just a normal, just like everybody else. I think it was 40 years ago this month, Roe v. Wade took place. Some 55, some odd million babies have been aborted. Do you know, and, and this is just my own opinion, but Roe v. Wade, and we always say, well, prayer's back in school, prayer's back in school, we need prayer in school, and yes, we need prayer in school, and we need Bible in school, but do you realize that it was a group of people in the Bible days of our society that obviously, because it was taken right out from underneath of us as we did nothing. Oh, we were fighting. But why? 
If we look in our society and you look at statistics, even though statistics are going south for Christians, Christianity is still the number one religion in America. But yet, everything anti-Christian is taking place. Why? Because everybody that's Christian stands and does nothing. I shouldn't say everybody. But so often we sit back and we're nervous and we're fearful that Oh, if I say something, I'm going to get fired. And if I do this, then I'm going to get in trouble. And if we do this, then... It's a shame that we have to live that way, but you don't have to live that way. Be a Christian. Be bold. Do what is right. Kick Satan in the teeth, tell him to shut up, and keep moving on with our lives. And so as we close this morning, mentioned a lot of different things. But are you rejoicing? Are you just living the normal Christian life and I go to church, I bring my family to church, we look good, we're the normal Christian little family. If I were you, my desire wouldn't be just a normal Christian little family. I hope your desire in your business life is not to be just a normal person at work, but that you're the best that you can be. I've said this to students for a very long time. There's millionaires, and there's a reason that they're millionaires. Because they're willing to do a little bit more than those that just are willing to say, huh, I'm willing to just go to work and not have to do too much after work. Yes, there's those that have just happened. But most very successful people are, re- are successful for a reason. They put forth the time. They're not normal. Are we just a normal church? Because a successful, abnormal church, so to speak, is willing to do a little bit more than just a normal church. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, if you would.